Father, we thank you, we praise you for our worship this morning. Thank you and praise you that we're able to come together in this place as the local church. We thank you and praise you for all our brothers and sisters that are now watching or listening during the week, Father. Speak out a blessing over them too. So we love you, we praise you. We thank you for what you've already said to us, Father, through, through the picture. And thank you for that encouragement, Father. And now, thank you that we are gathered around your word. Thank you that we are coming together to look at what you breathed out for us and what you, one of the things that you have left us, your scriptures. We thank you and praise you for these seeds we're about to plant. Thank you and praise you that they will find good ground. And we speak our understanding, Father, understanding so these seeds are not stolen, that these seeds will germinate, these seeds will grow and produce that fruit in abundance that we are all desiring. We speak our understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I would encourage every one of you, before you, even if it's just a quick read of the Bible, pray for understanding. Well, not pray for understanding, speak out understanding. That's a good catch. Pray for understanding. Speak out understanding. Amen. Am I going to change this week or am I going to John 10? John 10. Amen. Back to John 10. It's taken a long time to get through this chapter. There's so much in here. Um, but, but a lot of repetition. As I'm reading it and thinking, oh, he's saying that again, he's saying that again, he's reiterating this, he's making this, reinforcing this truth. And it's a good style of teaching. Do it again and again and again, because we'll see pretty soon they didn't get it. They didn't hear him. Whereas they didn't, they just didn't understand. But lots to learn and hear about Jesus, who he was, what he was here for, what he was going to do, whose mission he was on. Because it wasn't just his mission, remember. It was a mission from the Father. And we see Jesus in quite a few chapters now speaking to the Pharisees and speaking to the Jews and telling them all these truths. The truth that he was unique. The truth that he was the only way to relationship with the Father. That he was here to do away with religion and here to replace it with relationship. I mean, I'm just, I'm just loving this. Telling us he was the only way to righteousness and salvation. That he had to be in his fold. I've really liked this over the last few weeks. You probably hear me saying it all the time now. You know, in his fold, having gone through his door and having him as our shepherd. In him, through him, and with him. That's the only way to salvation, isn't it? Pauline says about being safe. It's the only way to be safe in him, through him, and with him. So we finished at verse 18 last week. Let's read from verse 17 just to get a little bit of context. So verse 17 to 24 I'm going to start with. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. There was division, therefore, among again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and he is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that, that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? 
And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews around about him and came unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. First couple of verses there kind of set it in context where we are. Jesus answering the questions, who do you think you are? And Jesus answering, you know, and, and answering who he was and who he was from. He was from the Father, he was the Son of God, pointing the way to the cross. And as Jesus always does, just speaking out the truth. That's all he can do. He can't do anything else, can he? He can't speak anything else other than the truth. One of my favorite verses, John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He cannot do anything but speak the truth because he is truth. And simply by speaking the truth, he causes division. Same today as it was back then. Speak the truth. It says, the word says, division. And it says division again, doesn't it? Just notice that. Where does it say that? Division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. See, it was the words of Jesus that caused the problems. It was the word of Jesus that caused the problems. That caused the division. Someone else I've just noticed here. Many said he was a devil. Others said he wasn't. We're always going to be in the minority on this earth and believe in the truth of Jesus. That's just, you know, what is it? The road's gates wide, narrow gate, wide gate, narrow road, wide road. I can't remember which one it was, the gate. Many are going to go through the wide, not many through the narrow. Many of them said, he's got a devil, he's mad. Saying he was possessed, obviously a lunatic. Mad, of course, of course, because of what he was saying. What was he saying? I'm equating myself to God. A God complex, as they say. Saying, God's my father. I'm the son of God. And all the other things he was coming out with. You know, he's just mad. Of course, of course he's possessed a devil. He has to be. Guy's a lunatic. But others are saying, well, no. Maybe not. Maybe these are not the words of a man possessed. Maybe these are not the words of a devil. He did heal the blind man after all. So there was some sense of reason. Some people listening to him, seeing what he was doing, and changing their mind. Having the, having the bravery, having the integrity, having the honesty to change their mind. There's not a lot of bravery, integrity, and honesty about for people that change their minds. These, even today, people have got that mindset. This is what we say in our church. This is what the rules say. That doesn't matter what the Bible says. I mean, we've heard Andrew Womack teaching on that, speaking to this old lady. Oh, we don't believe that in our church. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible we don't believe in our church. You know, it's not not being able, not willing to change their mind. 
Some were recognizing him for who he was. And, and we, we looked at this verse briefly about two weeks ago, I think, verse 42. And many believed on him there. Some believed him, yes. But many others hated him, wanted him dead, wanted nothing to do with him. See, what I see here all the way through John, what I'm seeing is Jesus is like a magnet. He either repels or attracts. Whenever he spoke, he caused a reaction, a revolution, you could say. For some people in their individual lives, they had this revolution. They had, they had this turning around, revolved away, like the Samaritan woman at the well. Complete revolution in her life. The blind man, who we spoke about over the last couple of weeks, complete revolution in his life. Everything turned around, completely changed. The woman with the issue of blood. The woman taking an adultery. You know, lives completely changed. Complete revolution in their lives. Now going in a completely different direction. Because of Jesus. Completely turned around for the good because of truth and grace. Their encounter with truth and grace. And, and well, yeah, I'm sure there's some of us in here will testify to that. Life's changed because of truth and grace. I, mean, I, I, I can testify to that. Being transformed to the renewing of my mind. What a difference. Hallelujah. But for others, it was a different reaction. A different kind of revolution. More like a revulsion. And a revolution as in turmoil and anger and fighting and against him. Now, I haven't gone looking for it, but I was racking my brains last night and I was thinking, is there any instance in scripture where we see Jesus teaching and we hear people say, oh, it's Jesus again. You know, I can just like take it or leave it. I can just take him or leave it. You know, I'm not really bothered. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to to what he's talking about. Do we ever see that in scripture? Oh, no, it's Jesus again, you know. Ugh. You know, it doesn't really bother me, Jesus, what he's up to, just like, living like live, let him get on with it. It's not for me, but hey-ho. You can't ever see that, do we? He, 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 um, he, he gets a response every time. Because every time he speaks the truth. And it's the truth that gets the response. Either turning lives around or angering and upsetting. You know, it's just going to come to me just now. And I, okay, it's maybe for a preacher, maybe for a pastor, but it's for all of us. If we're speaking about things of the Lord and we're not getting either people turning their lives around or people going nuts, we're not saying it properly. We're probably not speaking the truth. It's probably not enough Jesus. I never see this indifference to him. We just don't see that. We either see them, we either see the woman at the well, we see the Samaritan woman. That was the woman at the well. We we twice. We see the woman in the issue of blood. You know, Lazarus. We see the blind man, the centurion. Time and time again, people, lives completely changed around by the truth. 
or they want to kill him. Where's the middle ground? There's no middle ground because Jesus just speaks the truth. Speaks it all the time. And, you know, we see the same things today when you talk about Jesus. Now, I hear people talking about, oh, you know, I, I go to church, I believe in God, I've got faith, I do this, I do that. No reaction to that. People are not bothered. Oh, you go to church, oh, yeah, I start speaking about Jesus. Whoop de do. You can say all you want about going to church, not going to cause a reaction. You can say all you want about believing in God. You can say all you want about being a creationist. You can say all you want about having faith. People don't seem to get upset about that. Mention Jesus, you get something different. Either people are changed or all hell breaks loose. And if those things don't happen, if we're getting indifference, it's, it's not pure Jesus. It can't be. It can't be the pure truth. Because I never see Jesus getting this indifference. And that's challenging. Maybe it's another sermon. Maybe it's something I need to work on, but it just kind of kind of came to me. My experience is that when you speak the words of grace and truth, that is about Jesus, you either attract or repel. You seldom ignored or let it pass over. That's if people have heard it properly. And if you preach grace properly and folk come up to you and say, so are you telling me I can just go and sin then? They've heard. We're not telling them to, but they've heard that you've got complete forgiveness, you're completely righteous, and your sin doesn't have an impact on your eternity anymore. They've heard that, and they just can't get the noodles round it. These, this ignore this getting attracted to or being repelled, especially true, I have come across with believers. If people say they are believers and Christians, you get this polarizing effect when you preach, preach grace. Grace and truth, Jesus Christ. Um, my experience of preaching grace, I seem to have repelled more than I have attracted. <laughs> I was thinking about that yesterday. I have repelled a lot of people. Um, I, I, managed, I managed to dwindle the fellowship in our previous church. Um, we've had quite a few people coming through MGS. You know, you know, with a few exceptions, most are here today. We have our other regulars, you know, who are maybe not here. But most of those that have ever have come to MGF have, have been repelled as well. What, what I see now here is a core of believers attracted by the message of truth and grace. Attracted by the truth, by the pure, real, unadulterated Jesus. And I look around and I see people changed. And the other regulars that are not here, I can see them in my mind. People changed by Jesus. It is grace and truth that people need to hear today. Same as back in the day of Jesus. All Jesus doing was, was bringing all Jesus did. Yeah. yeah all, he, all he did. All he did was bring grace and truth. Because he was grace and truth. That's all he could do. But it's getting harder and harder 
to be able to express the truth. I wrote this down. I thought, does that make sense? It does. I said, it's getting harder and harder to express the truth today because everything seems to be the truth except the truth. Yes. So you did understand that then. Excellent. That's, that's good. Everything today, you could say, seems to be a truth. I hate that. I hate that. Well, this is a truth. Or this is my truth. Or that politician who was working for Donald Trump said, well, this is an alternative truth. I mean, what, I mean, what is it? What is an alternative truth? I mean, a lie. I mean that, that, that thing there is black. Well, actually, an alternative truth is it's blue. I, I heard one person recently, uh, as a mathematician, I was staggered that two plus two equals four is racist. Because you're saying there is an exact answer and if you don't believe two plus two plus four is for it, you're wrong. There has to be alternatives to that. And I'm like, that's nuts. Two plus two is four. Mrs. McEwen told me that. And, and, and one thing Mrs. McEwen never was, Mrs. McEwen was a lovely, lovely woman. Everybody, everybody that went through Avis Primary School remembers Mrs. McEwen. She told me two plus two was four, and I trust her. Because you know what? Back then, truth was truth. I shouldn't have got onto that. That's not in my notes. Uh, it's an it's example. But people can and express whatever they want these days. You can say whatever you want out there in social media land, unless you speak the truth about Jesus Christ, and then all hell seems to break loose. I saw a I quite like when you open up Facebook in the morning, you get your memories. And you'll see that you get your memories. So 12 years ago, yesterday, I got this memory. We must have been at conference because it was from uh, Coventry Cathedral. And sorry, I've got something in my eye. Oh, no. Um, it must have been at conference because it was from Coventry Cathedral. It was a big sign on the wall and it said, in a time of universal deceit, Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Uh, that is really true. And it reminded me of that post I used to keep putting up, which I stopped because I don't know how sure I was about it, was about the picture of Jesus, the Che Guevara or Che Guevara as Jesus. You know that picture, that red picture? When it's Jesus as a revolution, it says meek and mild as if. Jesus is a revolutionary. Or Jesus was a revolutionary in the sense of coming against the establishment and the established way of thinking and operating. He came to bring about a revolution, and he did. Either a revolution in people's lives or, or a revolution in these guys wanting to go nuts. He came to destroy religion. He came to destroy the old way and bring in a new way. That was a revolution. And also a revolution in turning around people's lives. And bringing about abundance in those lives. Just awesome. In these verses, we see him causing division in the sense of differences of opinion. And that still happens today. We can some of the some of the Jews starting to get what he was saying and doing. Others, no, not interested. 
Then we see another question come flying his way. But this is a question trying to catch him out. Not a question looking for information. It's a sarcastic question. John 10, 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. If you're the Messiah, if you're the anointed one, just tell us. I mean, what's he been doing? Have you not just read John 1 to 9? Well, they haven't. But have you not just heard him telling you, have you not just heard him telling you this parable? And then he says, oh, you're, you, don't, you don't quite get it. Let me explain this parable. It, that's what he's just done. That's what he's just done in the last things that he said to them. I mean, if I, I, mean, I know Jesus. If I was Jesus, I'd just be going, oh, again? Again? So he didn't do that. But they're just not listening. Oi, listen. They're just not listening. Why are they not listening? Because they've made up their mind. They've made up their minds. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he does. They've made up their minds. Others will get it. That's why we need to keep, I've told this before, because some people, are, some of the religious people are going to get this. So we need to keep preaching, keep preaching, keep preaching. But there are some people that you will just not reach. Because they've made up their minds. And that's it. Doesn't matter what you say, this is this is the way. They've made up their minds. And now they just want to catch him out or, or or trip him up. Asking more questions without listening. Asking questions to catch him out. But Jesus answers them none the same, and he gives them the same info. 25. Jesus answered them, I told you. I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you're not of my sheep. As I, as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. They asked him a question because they're looking for the Messiah. He answers the question, I am the Messiah. All right, let's kill him. You asked the question, you got the answer. Oh, I don't like the answer. We'll kill him. Yes. Let's see what he said. He's saying, look, guys. I've told you before, but you just don't get it. You don't believe me. You're, you're just not getting this. You know, and I'll tell you why you don't get it. You don't get it because you're not of me. You're not in me. You're not through me. You're not with me. I've already told you that my sheep hear my voice. If you're not listening, if you're not hearing my voice, you're not my sheep. I mean, he's really putting it on the line here. My sheep hear my voice. That word hear can be translated as understood, and that's a better meaning here. My sheep understand my voice. Not just hear the sounds, not just the sound waves don't go in. 
and stimulate the eardrum that stimulates the, the, the nerve to the brain and you hear something. No, no, they understand. But you, you don't understand. Why? Because you're not of me. You're not interested in truth. You're not interested in grace. You're interested in your man-made religion, your rules, your standards. I mean, remember who they're talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees. What ticked them most about Jesus? What ticked them off most about Jesus? Doing stuff on the Sabbath. Turning people's lives around on the Sabbath. Healing people and changing their lives for the better on the Sabbath. Breaking rules about the Sabbath. The man-made extensions to God's law. Because you know, God didn't write on the tablets of stone when you could and couldn't pull a donkey out of a barn. If you go back and read the Ten Commandments, doesn't, I, I can't see about pulling a donkey out of a stream. But that was a man-made extension to these rules, and there were hundreds of these extensions, a lot of them to do with the Sabbath. No. They just did not like Jesus, as it were, doing these things against their rules and their guidelines and their guidance. And then Jesus says, my sheep hear me, have eternal life. What's he just said? You're not my sheep. What's he saying? I'm sorry, guys. You don't have that. You don't have eternal life. You're not in my fold. You've not come through my door. You don't have me as a good shepherd. God's protection, he says, is upon them, upon my sheep, the ones that hear my voice, the ones that are safe. Anything that man does, anything that you do, can't touch them. Now, if that's not enough to tick them off, then he says the biggie, the real thing that sends the Pharisees over the edge. I and my father are one. What's he saying there? I am God. I am God. He is saying, I and the Father are the same. We are one. There, there's no difference. I'm I'm God. And that reminds me of the Genesis 1-1, the start of the Bible. In the beginning, one God's created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created the earth. One God's created the heaven and the earth. Jesus was and is and will be God. And the Pharisees knew exactly what he was saying. Exactly knew. Not, not what he was hinting at, but knew exactly what he was saying. And in their eyes, this was blasphemy. Even though they were looking for the Messiah, even though they were looking for the one that was going to come from God and be part of God, even though they were looking for him. This, they believed he was coming, but not in this way. Not in the way Jesus came. Not in the way they imagined. They asked the question, but they were not interested in the answer. It was not the answer that they want, because they already made their mind up. This Messiah was going to come and kick the backside of the Romans. That's really not what Jesus was doing. Jesus came and he was spending time with sinners and prostitutes and fornicators and breaking their their great rules on the Sabbath. They asked the question, but they were not interested in the answer. 
Their answer, their answer was already, their mind was already made up and they were trying to catch you out. That's what I saw a lot of in my early time as a pastor, preaching grace. People coming, queuing up to, to pick me off, trip me up. And now, amen, I've depleted the fellowship so much, I don't get that. If I get questions, mainly from the man who's not here, um, it's for information. It's wanting to know. It's, it's I'm interested in this. Tell me. But come up at the end of the end of the, the sermon. You know, maybe have, have you thought about this, Vic? Not to trip me up, not to not to pick on me, but for us both to both to learn. Back in the start, it was hard preaching the message of grace and truth. So they pick out stones to kill him, as they think he's just committed blasphemy, even though he's answered the question well that they want to see because they want the Messiah. They're looking for the Messiah. But Jesus answered the question and they want to kill him for it. Why? Because he gave them the wrong answer. The answer that went against their religion, their traditions, and you know what that went? It went against their interest. Because this answer was going to have to change their way of life if they believed. But no, they believed and valued their traditions, their rules, their religion higher than grace and truth. And they were not prepared to change their minds for the truth. And I was sitting there yesterday and praise God, he reminded me that I used to be verse 24 and now I'm verse 42. Hallelujah. I praise God that I allowed myself to change my mind to the message of grace. You see, when I first heard the message of grace from these guys sitting over there, I was like the Pharisees in verse 24. Well, let me ask you some questions to trip you up because this is nonsense that you're telling me. And I know my, I know what I know and I know I'm right. And I don't need any nonsense from this jumped up American coming over here telling me what to think. And you can just keep quiet about that. But hallelujah, praise God, the message got through. I renewed my mind, and I think now I'm like the Jews in verse 42, hallelujah, and many believed on him there. Many believed the message of truth and grace, and thank goodness I did, or I wouldn't be here. In, through, and with Jesus. That's the key. That's the message. It's Jesus and only Jesus is the way to the Father, the only way of relationship with God Almighty, the only way to benefit from forgiveness and reconciliation, the only way to move to salvation and righteousness and life in abundance is Jesus Christ, and not our goodness, not our works, not our religions, not our traditions, not our church values, not the ways of men. It, it's just Jesus. Jesus was and is and always will be God. That's what the Pharisees couldn't get. The truth about his divinity. They said so in verse 33. The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus said to him in verse 33, What is it about me that makes you want to kill me? What, what, which of my miracles have I done that you want to kill me for? Oh, we don't want to kill you for your miracles. 
want to kill you because you say you're God. But Jesus could have said, but these miracles I'm doing kind of show you I am God. You know, which of the miracles that prove my divinity, as well as me saying it, which of these miracles are you trying to kill me for? Well, it's not, you know, well, we're not killing you because you turn water into wine. That's fantastic. You know, they're not saying this. You know, we're not killing you for the miracles. We're killing you because you said you're God. You know, just the, the mindset of these guys is um, just doesn't stack up. I mean, this is a great, great verse, great passage to point out to these theologians that say Jesus never claimed to be God. Theologians love to say that. Jesus never actually said, I am God. Well, he said, I am, which we'll see later, which is the same. And he says, I and the Father are one. And also, this verse, the experts in theology are wanting to kill him because they say, you said you're God. So that's a really good passage to point out to these theologians that say Jesus never claimed. Of course he did, and the Pharisees are trying to kill him for it. And they're the experts in these, this theology. They knew fine what Jesus was saying. He's saying, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God. And they want to kill him for it. Loud and clear, Jesus is saying that. And the Pharisees don't like it. And the same is true today. Religious people don't like it. Oh, he was a good guy. He was a wonderful teacher. What a rabbi. A moral man. A leader. But God? But our saviour? Someone that we have to depend upon for our righteousness? Instead of our own efforts? Oh, no, no. No way. That's, that's not it. But it is. People need to be told about Jesus, especially the righteous. Well, sorry, the righteous, even the religious. Even the religious need to be told about Jesus because he's the only way. Not our efforts. It's his efforts that count, not our efforts. We need to go through him, be in him, and follow him. And that's what we need to be speaking about. Amen.